0: Welcome back to Radical Ones. I'm your host, Xander Schultz. I'm here with my confidant, my consiglieri, my producer, Phineas. Phineas, who are we chatting with today? Today we have Octavia Abel. She is the co founder and CEO of Govern for America, a nonprofit that works to bring the next generation of leaders into government. Before launching the organization, she served as director of strategy for the Rhode Island Office of Innovation and on Governor Gina Raimondo's policy team. I was super excited to talk to Octavia because, like a few other people that we've chatted with, looked at a place where people, looked at a system where people assumed it would always be that way and asked why. Bianca Tylik was like this. She mentioned this in our podcast. She was like, "Well, people just assume capitalism's going to do its thing, and then we can reform things another way." And, and she was like, "No, we can we can attack capitalism uh, at the source and try to pull the money out of out of the prison system." Octavia and her challenge reminds me of the same thing, where it's this assumption. There's this assumption that look, government's bureaucratic there's a certain type of people that get in there that don't want to change anything. They're not interested in change. And that's kind of the way it is. And so you got to have activists from the outside pushing and you got to maybe elect some like progressive people, etc. cetera. And uh, Octavia is pushing back on that assumption and says like, no, we can, we can build systems that put progressive smart people into the pipes of our government systems and they can be the activists we need from the inside. Because I mean, as I've really learned over the last years, as I've got deeper and deeper into politics, like that's where the big change happens. That's where our tax revenue is. That's where our policy sits. And if we can have activists and progressive folks in those halls, it can really make a huge difference. So I'm a big believer in her work. Octavia Abel, thanks for joining us.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, Sander.
0: I'm excited to dive into your work. I've been like proximate to it for the early days, maybe not the beginning, but the but the early days. You are solving a pain point that maybe like all of the country is dully aware of. Like maybe we don't know like why, what what exactly is going on, but we, we have this general frustration with government and you're tackling one of probably the key issues that's driving that frustration from the general public. How would you describe the problem you're solving?
1: Yeah. Um, well you brought up, you brought up proximity Xander. And for me, the problem that govern for America was designed to solve is that we have a talent crisis at the moment in government and 30% of our employees are eligible to retire, but young people don't see government as an avenue for change. Mm. And so, they're not bringing their voices and perspectives into the places that impact our lives on a day-to-day basis. And so what we created Govern for America to do was to build that next generation of public sector leaders um, to create a more diverse, effective, and responsive government. And that's because fundamentally what I believe is that people are policy. So if you want policy that solves the right problems, you have to have it being created by people who are proximate to those communities and who understand um the problems that you're trying to solve
0: and when you talk about government a lot of people might be thinking we're talking about like political leaders or elected officials you're talking about everyone who works for those offices and officials all the people who who make up the rest of of government correct
1: yeah we're talking about people who are working in your state department of education and the you know the state department of health the places where policy touches our lives in a really tangible and meaningful way. And I would argue, as we've seen from the COVID pandemic, in a often in a much more personal way than um and closer way than what we see happening um even at the federal level.
0: You bring up a important point, which is like a lot of times we think of the elected officials as who's driving our policy, et cetera. But there's this plethora of unelected people that are informing that person, right? There's these people that have chosen to pursue careers in government that are the driving forces and voices behind the policy that then is championed by these elected officials, right?
1: That's true, It's, it's public servants who day in and day out are doing the work and are making the choices that impact all of our lives. But in addition to that, I think part of the big challenge is that a lot of government work doesn't just happen through legislation there are regulations there are ways that people mm. interpret you know, rules and and all of the choices that we make around different programs and who's going to be eligible. A lot of that happens outside of the many of the policy conversations that we think about. And so we want to make sure that we are bringing in people who understand those problems, who are going to make choices that serve our communities more effectively. Um, and we hope that by doing that, we can both achieve better outcomes, but also rebuild the trust that we have lost with our with our systems, really seeing our systems fail us.
0: And it- in the 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 first answer, you mentioned that basically the people working in government are aging. There's an, there's an incredible amount of people that are aging into retirement from these positions, so we're gonna have a dearth of of talent. Has that always been the case? Like, has have we always had a hard time attracting young, talented people to government? Uh, Jobs, uh, or is this this is population that's retiring? Did they come at a time where it was exciting to work in government? Is this a new problem? What's the history behind this issue of attracting young, talented people to government?
1: Yeah, we've been disinvesting in government for decades, but I would point to in the eighties when Ronald Reagan said that government was the problem, not the solution, Mm. and so over time we've made government less attractive to young people the process of applying into government jobs is really convoluted and so often people don't know what the opportunities are it's hard to navigate government doesn't do a great job of selling itself and talking about the, the potential for scale and impact um, in the work. And so we we see young people going into finance, consulting and tech to as they're thinking about their careers and making an impact, not the place that has, you know, the biggest potential as I see it to really address problems at scale. But you know, in moments like the coronavirus pandemic, I think we really see what happens when we don't invest in people. Since the 2008 financial crisis, our public health agencies have lost almost a quarter of their workforce. Mm. Um, And so when we're in moments of crisis, you really see the impact that not investing in people, not investing in talent, not investing in the folks who are doing this work day to day, what that means for, for our lives. And it's really damaging. And so I think there's both a problem here of how do we rebuild that pipeline um, bring in a next generation of of diverse leadership who are bringing a new set of skills and experiences to the work, but also how do we tell the story of the impact that you can have in government? What's what's working well, and acknowledge when we've failed in the past, but as a as a way to propel us to um, a more you know a more productive, more equitable future in our systems.
0: I wonder when did you get introduced? When was your moment where you were introduced to this issue or became aware of this issue, and then. What was the story between, you know, you like starting to see this, you know, getting inkling that, that there's an issue there and deciding, OK, this is my personal mission to resolve this issue and, and start introducing more young people to these jobs?
1: Yeah. So um, I st- after college, I worked on a campaign and then um, joined the start of Governor Raimondo's administration in Rhode Island. I was on the policy team and then. Um, I served as director of strategy for the state office of innovation and at a really early point in my career, at a really formative point in my, in my life, I got to see the power that government had to solve problems at scale. And that was really empowering, but I also had the experience of often being the only person under 30 in the room when we were talking Mm -hmm. about the rising cost of college tuition. And I would sort of look around and say, well, you know, raise your hand if you're paying student loans and this idea that we had people making choices who weren't connected to the problems they were trying to solve, who weren't connected to the communities impacted by those decisions, you know, really started to get to me. Mm -hmm. And it also made me think about places where I didn't have proximity, but I was making choices and decisions. And that realization coupled with, you know, frankly, I looked at the data and I we had almost 40% of the workforce eligible to retire in Rhode Island and we were struggling to attract talent. There weren't a lot of people who were my age working, working in the state. And so, but it was at a point when I saw so many of my peers being frustrated with our systems it just struck me as really odd that there was no mechanism to get young people into the public sector there was no one trying to tell that story of how can we mobilize we we see so much activism in our generation and and in gen z you know behind us and and we weren't seeing that same level of awareness of if we see our systems failing us if we're frustrated with the outcomes like let's go into the systems and let's be a part of fixing them. And so that was the aha moment.
0: Super interesting point. It's like so much of our young, young, I'm probably slowly aging out of the younger generation who people consider the young generation, but so much of my generation, the generation below it is about activism, influencing the system. A lot of us spend our time in activism to influence the system instead of just being the system. I was going to ask, like one thing that came up while you're talking about this is it seems like there's two issues with, the government as a workplace for young people. One is the marketing side of it, which you're totally right. Like I never even thought about government jobs. I thought about being a politician one day, right? As, as an egocentric, ambitious young man. (laughs) But I, I didn't really, uh, I didn't think about, you know, going and taking a job within government. Uh, And that's because probably no one ever approached me about it. Right. I, I had, that's, it's a world I didn't have a window into, but then there's also like this workplace, like actually once you're in, this fear that I'm in this like rigid bureaucratic workplace where my ideas won't be heard, et cetera. And so I was wondering, how do you, how do you talk to that? with the folks you're speaking to and also how do you how do you eventually solve for that or is it or is the solution basically when you get a young enough young people in these places it becomes a more dynamic less bureaucratic place because you know the there's you know 50 under the age of 30 or 35 means like by nature there will be more ideas there will be more you know curiosity etc
1: i think it's a both and i think it's about making sure that you are bringing people who have new perspectives who are coming from a different vantage point and are just frankly asking the question like have we always done it this way have we tried approaching things in this way who are who are right. bringing that curiosity and willingness to learn um in a way that pushes us to think more broadly than we have before but it's also really reflecting on and empowering you know, with additional capacity on their teams, the great public servants who are doing the work on a day-to-day basis. I mean, there are really amazing, effective people in government now. They're just often not empowered to, and and have enough um, sort of, you know, of a, of a team around them to really accelerate the impact. So what we're trying to do is say, how do we really rapidly expand and and mobilize this next generation? How do we build that pipeline in to support the work in states and to make that environment really compelling for young people who want to have an impact in all of these policy areas that we care about so much, like criminal justice reform, like education, uh, like access to health care, um, racial justice, all of these things that, that government has real potential and power to address.
0: And can you break down a little bit of just like what Governed for America is? I know we've been talking like high level, that's the mission of it. Like, Like what is actually like operationally, what does this thing look like?
1: Yeah. So um, fundamentally, we're a fellowship program. So we connect recent grads from diverse backgrounds into roles in government, primarily at the state level. um, And we really support them to build the skills so they can transform the systems that we all interact with on a day to day basis. So what that looks like for us is really intentional recruiting and selection and matching people um, with high impact jobs where they can um, both learn from other leaders in government, but also be the ones who are bringing that new perspective, a new set of skills that is often um, really missing in their agencies. The training to support them on, well, how do you actually do the work over the long term? How do you build coalitions? How do you tell these compelling stories? How do you lead with equity? How do you plan and use data really effectively? And then um, building this community, both in the cohorts of fellows, but also with this broader network of leaders who are all fundamentally mobilizing around this idea that our government and public system should serve people more effectively, should be more inclusive, should be more equitable, and should achieve better outcomes. And we believe that by building that pipeline of leaders, by supporting them to be really effective in their roles, and by creating a community um, that supports one another, that's how we can radically change the way that government operates
0: what's an example of a skill that you all teach that you wish you had going into it like something that's maybe not intuitive that you're like hey as you head into these old systems like equip your you can be way more effective if you equip yourself with x and y
1: that's such a great question i think i'm going to pick something that's a more traditional hard skill Mm -hmm. and a more traditional sort of soft skill or essential skill um on the on the hard skill side we we think a lot about data so how do you think about how do you think about data and all of the places that you that that data can inform your work and sometimes that's really granular in terms of well, what does it look like um what do you what do you need to know from a technical standpoint around understanding how you use different data tools how you do visualizations to kind of tell the story and um how you can and how you can kind of build that muscle um in a way that often government has so much data that we're just not taking advantage of. And so we're missing Mm. out on the opportunity to really put all of the data that that we collect to work in a, in an effective way that can help us make choices. Um, So I think data that data driven policymaking is something that I wish I had to learn on the job. And I, I really wish I had had that going in. Another piece is just the power of communication and storytelling. And I think that sounds really intuitive to people. Mm. So you know i think often we everyone on their resume puts that they're an effective communicator or or, or something about sort of right. the ability to storytell but i think it's a very specific skill set to both come in with a, an ability to listen actively to hear what other people are saying about their challenges what's been tried before and then to bring that into a, a more powerful sort of collective narrative of what you are trying to accomplish as a whole and part of a vision. Mm. And, and that idea of mobilizing others through the power of the stories we tell is just so, so powerful. and And that is a piece that I think when you are working in really, you know, in environments like government that are often heavily bureaucratic, that often have, uh, where you're working with really, really intense challenges in high risk environments. Um, the power to inspire and mobilize others and find who your allies are is really, really important. And we see that we see you know anything that we've accomplished together, in, if you think about big movements in this country, so much of that, in my mind, ties back to being able to effectively mobilize people around a vision.
0: Right on. So how, like, this is kind of a, a broad question, but like, how is it going <laughs> overall? How is it going? You know, you set on this, set out on this adventure three years ago, I think, and like, I, you know, I've been, I've been close to it, and uh, I've seen your budget go from you know (laughs) a couple hundred thousand to you know and and your team and like i've seen so much expand over the last couple years like so what's the update on on how it's currently going
1: i think i didn't realize when we launched govern for america how inspiring all of the young people that we get to work with would be for just you know when i wake up in the morning like that's that's the first thing i think about is just the the power of this community Mm. and i think that's the what most excites me about doing the work moving forward is that i, I really do believe that people are policy that people mm. are the reasons that we have the systems that we have and so that means that people can change those systems and so that the just seeing the number of applications increase year over year particularly around covid seeing the momentum and the energy and the passion and stories that people bring to the work of, of why they want to be in these spaces why they're making this choice when they could you know frankly make a lot more money going into the private sector that's just the most empowering and rewarding aspect about my job it's also been really exciting to see just in this year, when we have seen how much the pandemic has stressed our public institutions, yeah. the awareness of this need for investing in people, I think that's really shifting. And I am I am cautiously optimistic that organizations like Govern for America and other folks sort of working in the public sector space of trying to mobilize um, next generation leadership. I think we have a real opening to sort of demand more of that change and to really be advocating for why this is the moment to really invest in our young people. So yeah, I mean, it's going well, every day is ask like, I feel like all the people you bring on this show, you know, every this past year for everyone has been a lot of challenges, a lot of new opportunities that we weren't thinking about before. But I think that I get really excited, both by the community that we're that we're really building, um, and the life that Government America has taken on, you know, outside of what I envisioned it would be when, um, when we launched.
0: How many GFA fellows are there now?
1: We have twenty six working currently. So
0: we're twenty six working currently.
1: Yeah, so we've kept the cohorts, um, really curated in our first. We're about to launch our third cohort in our uh, first two years of operations, and we're looking. We're looking to take stock of how the first full year cycle has been, um, and then, and then scale the program for there. So I'm hoping, um, that we have a lot, a lot more placement opportunity information to share in the, in the coming months.
0: Right on amazing. And if you're as successful as possible, if you know, GFA keeps finding so much success, keeps being appreciated, you're able to expand to the furthest reaches of your imagination. What, what is true about the world in 10 years?
1: every person who lives works in this country interacts with government in a fundamentally different way and in a way that they feel seen that their needs are supported and that their voice is heard and that is because the way that our governments are operating and who sits in those roles has fundamentally changed that's a great answer
0: um i got a couple more questions before i give you the floor you brought up COVID a couple times like that COVID was this unveiling of how important these systems are I felt similarly this last year and that before this year uh, the word leadership was tossed around a lot. It's like you had sports leaders and like entertainment leaders and, you know, uh, it felt like the whole that I did you know, business leaders and that, that whole idea like shrunk up in the face of COVID and it's like, oh, actually like when times are bad, really all we have is like these like core systems and we hope that the people within them are competent and can, <laughs> and can, and can protect us in times of need. Where have you seen that understanding show up? You said like, oh, I think you know COVID unveiled a lot. Have you seen that in donors who are like easier to have this conversation with or the narrative from everyday people? I wonder where, where you're seeing that a, appreciation and how it's affecting uh, your organization.
1: This might be a non-answer to that question, but I think it's everywhere. I think we've all seen over the past year how much leadership and government systems fundamentally touch our lives in very personal ways. And I think, frankly, in a way that people who had privileges could sometimes say, Well, I'm not political. Like I don't believe you right. know, I, I don't need to think about that. Because if you're not someone who on a day-to-day basis has your, you know, is interacting with um, social services agencies who is it use you know, utilizing certain healthcare services, like maybe you could have been more insulated pre-COVID. Right. And so I think that awareness of both how disproportionately people have been impacted by our public systems and are still being disproportionately impacted by our public systems has been made much more visible to a lot of people. And I think people are waking up and really much more aware of how much it matters that we get this work right because people suffer. And in the case of COVID, like people die when we don't. And so it's really, you know, we don't think of government bureaucracy and like transforming our government bureaucracy as being something that's like sexy or a life and death um, situation. But I would argue that, that it is, and that it's something that touches every aspect of our lives.
0: All right, my friend. Well, to close this thing out, we always give the guests the floor. The floor is yours to say whatever you wish.
1: Wow, this is so much power um <laughs> <you> no <know, laughs> you know i'm just i'm really grateful to you um and the team here for for amplifying these stories and for really taking the space to talk about the the things that we don't think of necessarily as the hottest button issues or the most important but that have real resonance for how our world can look and feel and operate and you know, the thing I'd, I'd love listeners to take away from our conversation today is that we have the power to make choices about what we want our government and public systems to look like. And that is through so many vehicles, including voting, including civic engagement, including people running for office. But part of that ecosystem needs to be, how do we support and how do we invest in the people doing the work who are, you know, in the trenches in the arena like on a day-to-day basis making things happen and i think if we can make our public systems reflect the values and diversity of this country we're going to live in a much different country and not something that that's a you know a country and a community that i am really excited to to be a part of
0: Thank you for listening to Radical Ones. If you're looking for more content like this, you can head over and be a supporter on our Patreon, patreon.com radicalones. You can also follow us on social at Radical Ones Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and safe. Take care.